Praise the Lord. Just stay where you are. Just sit down. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you, you may like to open up in uh, Judges chapter 6. We've been, uh, God's been speaking to us about dealing with imaginations. 2 Corinthians tells us about imaginations, their thoughts, things, pictures we have in our mind that resist us knowing God more deeply. And uh, I want us to just go into a story in the Old Testament, and I want to look at a man who confronted the imagination of his day and how God honored it in his life. Every one of us is called to represent the Lord. And we see here, I'll just give you a little couple of verses just showing the background, and then we want to look at what this man had to do. Every one of us wants to make an impact with our life. When Jesus came, he came to bring life. He said, I've come to give you life. I've come to give it more abundantly. But in giving life, he did two things. Number one, he brought truth. He exposed the thinking of the day. He confronted the mindsets, the prejudice, the things that had gripped people's lives, and he put hope in them for change. Then he released the anointing of his spirit, and there was change took place in people's lives. Now, here's a story from the Old Testament of a man that God used to change the face of a nation. Let's have a quick look at uh, just a couple of details about it. We're going to look at the condition, the calling, and commission. The condition. First of all, in uh, Judges chapter 6, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of that, the children of Israel made themselves dens, caves, strongholds in the mountains. And when Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up, the Amalekites, people of the east would come up, they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as, as far as Gaza, leaving no sustenance. The end of verse 5, they entered the land to destroy it. And verse 6, Israel was greatly impoverished and they cried out to the Lord. Here's a desperate situation where people have rejected God's ways. They've rejected the truth of God's word. They've actually gone their own way. They've got an imagination that we can be like the people around us, like the nations around us, but when they let go of God, then all kinds of problems came into their life. When we embrace things which are not, have not got a godly origin, have not come out of the realm of God, have not come for our blessing, when we begin to embrace thoughts and ways of running our life that are contrary to the way of God, we end up impoverished. We're in a nation now where people are impoverished spiritually, morally, in all kinds of ways. And this is what had happened here. People sowed, and then the devil would steal it away. People would sow, and it'd be stolen away. So they, they were frustrated, and all the energy of their life appeared to be getting nowhere. There was a terrible condition of impoverishment right through the whole nation. And in the midst of it, God calls a man. This is what I like. The answer to the situation in every nation in every generation is still a person responding to the call of God, a people that respond to the call of God, people that will stand up and say, I know my life is here to make a difference in some kind of way. I'm not sure all of it, but I need to engage God for it to happen. I want you to see the calling that came. Verse uh, 11, the angel Lord came down, sat under the terebinth tree, then Oprah, Oprah, oh, goodness me, Oprah, Oprah. Sound like Oprah, didn't it, eh? So he's on the Oprah show and the angel appeared to him. There we go. And his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it. And the angel Lord appeared to him and said, Ah, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. 
So we see the calling where God speaks to him and declares who he is. Here's a man, and he's living defeated. He's living under the bondage of his day. He's accepted the conditions of the land, and he's trying desperately to make a living. And in the middle of it, he hears God's word. And God speaks to him very clearly to confront his imagination about who he is. God wants you to know who you are. You're not a nobody. You're not someone that God has forgotten about. You're someone who God has on his heart. He says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. God confronts the thinking in his mind. And the moment you bring the truth to someone, whatever's in their heart comes up. Uh Oh, what about the miracles? What about this? So God begins to then commission him. He said, I have sent you to the nation to save the nation. And he keeps coming up with all the imaginations of his mind. Listen, imaginations will always oppose the work of God and the truth of God in your life. When you hear God's word come to you, whatever comes up next will either be in agreement with it to come into a place of faith that it may be done, or it'll oppose it because it's an imagination that exalts itself against walking with God. When Peter had come uh, up and uh, he'd had a whole night fishing and uh, there he was washing the nets and Jesus said, cast out, he said, launch the boats, plural. Go out and cast your nets, plural, for a great catch of fish. He said, well, Lord, we've worked all night. See, now you see the natural circumstances, the thinking coming out. Nevertheless, at your word we will. But if you follow that story, you find they only sent out one boat. So even though he he responded to the word of the Lord, he didn't actually respond wholeheartedly. He stepped out, why don't you wait, I'll do it. And he went out to actually look, but he only won boat. And when they got the catch, it nearly filled the boat, nearly swamped the boat. They had to bring their friends over to help them. But what Jesus had in mind was they would take both boats out, prepare for a great catch. Understand, imaginations, thoughts in our mind, his thoughts of failure caused him to place limitations on what God could do. I wonder what limitations you're placing on what God can do through you, and you're not even aware of it. So we pray, nice prayers for God to move, and the limitations are in the thoughts of the mind. The limitations are in what's going on. And so when God says, I've placed you in that school to make a difference, oh, but what about? Or when God says, I've placed you in Hastings or Napier to make a difference, oh, well, what about? Where's the miracles? See, same thing, the unbelief that immediately rises up. So when you see God challenging him, immediately the imaginations of his mind begin to come up and manifest. You know what? God ignored them. He just kept speaking the word to him, speaking the word to him, speaking the word to him, speaking the word to him. Then he challenged him. I want you to see what he challenges him to do. Because he begins eventually, he comes up with all these lists of excuses or imaginations. In the end, God challenges him then to do something. I want you to see here in verse uh, 25. And it came to pass the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years. Now, seven years represented the time and the period they'd been in bondage. They were in bondage for seven years. So that young bull was born in the year that bondage came into everyone's life. He said, I want you to take that, tear down the altar of Baal your father has, cut down the wooden image that's beside it, build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock and the proper arrangement, Take the second bill, offer a a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image, which you cut down. So he took ten men from among his servants and did what the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. 
Now, notice now, we first of all see the condition of the nation. We see how God puts a call on his life. We see how God commissions him. Now, every believer has a commission to go. Every believer has a commission sent into the community, sent to someone. God sent you. Every day you wake up, God, who are you sending me today? Who are you sending me to today? If you live in this place, God has called you to this place. He sent you to someone. You're an answer to someone's problems. But you've got to look for it. You've got to position yourself. And what God did was challenged him over the compromise that was right under his own nose. And as God calls us and sends us, he also challenges us to face the compromises in our lives that hinder us fulfilling the call of God around us. I tell you something, you'll never be great out there until you become great with God in here. It's always something God shifts inside us that makes room for us to be able to make a difference outside us. Most people are praying, God, change what's around me. God says, I want to shift what's inside you. And today I believe as God's beginning to put a fresh challenge through the world, through to the church, to arise and begin to enter the community, begin to reach people, begin to be bold and unashamed, he is also confronting the imaginations of the heart unbelief, fear, reject, all those kind of things that come in that raise up an argument why you can't do it. Imaginations always will raise an argument why you can't do it. Let me just give you a few things about imaginations. We won't look up the verses. I want to give you two or three things about it. But here's the first thing. Imaginations challenge God's truth. Whatever God says to you, vain imaginations in the mind will always argue with it. They'll always oppose what God says to you. So, for example, uh, when God said to Adam and Eve, he said, uh, you can eat all the fruit of the the trees of the garden, but that one tree, don't eat it, or you'll die the day you eat it. The devil comes immediately. What does he do? He puts an imagination in Eve's mind. He opposes what God says. You won't die. There's no consequences of going your own way, having a vain imagination, and here's what you stand to gain if you'll do it. You stand again being like God. Puts an imagination. Always imaginations oppose what God wants to do in your life. Listen, some of you are sitting on a vain imagination of rejection. It's a thought that goes, I'm not accepted. I'm not good enough. Listen, that will oppose what God says. I have made you accepted. I have made you good enough. I have called you. You are a mighty man of valor. You sit there. Immediately we say, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty woman of valor. What comes up in your mind? Who, me? I'm nothing. That's the imagination. It'll always manifest whenever the truth comes to you. It'll always manifest. And we all have them, and we all got to confront them and tear them down like he had to do. See? The second thing about imaginations, they make you think on things that aren't real. Imaginations cause you to think about things that are not real. You begin to ponder over them. You imagine what may happen. And it's not real. It hasn't even happened yet. Fear is an imagination about the future, that bad things are going to happen. You think about things that are not there. Some of you are thinking about what your friends think of you. Go into a room, and it's all about what my friends will think about me. But listen, it isn't about that at all. It doesn't matter what they think about you, and they can think what they like anyway. That's the truth. Or are you going to try and control what people think about you? You can't control what people think about you. That's a foolish thing. What you can do is live a life that's brave and bold, and then it will influence what people think about you. And let me tell you this, some will love you and some will hate you. 
Get used to it. If you're going to stand up and serve the Lord, not everyone's going to like it. When you start to get bold and confident about who you are, what you're called to do, not everyone will like it. They'll say, well, who do you think you are? They'll put an imagination up that you think you're someone important. You say, well, I'm just what God says I am. Imaginations oppose the Word of God for your life. Imaginations are unreal. They cause you to think about things which haven't even happened, about being rejected, about being afraid, about failure, about all kinds of things. Imaginations create instability in your life. They create instability in your life. In Jeremiah 7.21, God urges them to follow His words. And instead of following His words in counsel, it says they followed, they followed, they went after, or they followed the voice of their imaginations, the thoughts that were in their mind. And He said instead of going forward, they went backward. Now listen, if you allow these things that are in your mind, fears and rejections, I hate myself. I've heard young people say that. I've even seen older people say the same thing. I hate myself. I hate myself. Why do you hate what God loves? It's an imagination that's become a stronghold that stops you knowing God and walking into His purpose. You have to decide, I will tear that thing down that is in the way of me serving God. I will tear down. You say, well, what about the miracles? Well, that's a spirit of unbelief come around your life. God has not changed. He still does miracles. I saw some this week. But if you wait till you see them, you won't see them at all because your imaginations of unbelief will shut it down for you. You and I have to make a shift on the inside before we change on the outside. So imaginations cut us off from the life of God. In Ephesians 4, 17 Ephesians 4, 17, it says this. It says, don't walk like unsaved people do. In other words, don't run your life the way they do. This is how they run their life. It's in the vain imaginations of their mind. They think all kinds of stuff. But it's not according to what God says. And so it says, then they're dark. They don't walk in understanding. And it says, and they're cut off from the life of God. Ephesians 4, 17. So imaginations, vain imaginations, cut you off from the life of God. The life of God is found in the person of Jesus Christ. You begin to talk about Jesus Christ, whoop, the vain imaginations come up straight away. Doesn't mean you can't find a way through that and reach the person. So vain imagination, we have to tear Notice what God says to me. He says, tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. Confront the limitations. I was looking at this thing here. He said, tear down the altar of Baal and the wooden image. That's an Ashtara, the goddess of the sea, the mother of Baal. Do you realize that there's a website now and you can go in and people still worship that goddess? I saw it there tonight. Saw a picture of that goddess and saw candles and lights on this internet thing. The site, there it is, the worship of Asherah. It's still alive and well. And where did we find it? Where did I find that? On a site called Teen Witch. It's still alive. This thing was a goddess of fertility. There was all kind of sexual immorality and all kinds of issues that went surrounding this uh, uh, worship of Ashtoreth and this worship of the altar of Baal. But essentially, it was a vain imagination. The vain imagination was that if I yielded to this, I would find life. In fact, all they found was death, destruction, impoverishment. And they couldn't connect what they were doing in their personal life with this image or imagination. They couldn't connect it with what was happening outside them. And God says, listen, Gideon, I've called you to the nation, but before you can touch the nation, you have to deal with what has invaded your life and that you have learned to accept, which I hate. 
Vain imaginations. God hates them. They lead to discord. They lead to disunity. All kinds of things. He says, tear it down. Tear it down. I wonder what tonight you have to tear down. What limitation is in your mind? It's not reality. It's in your mind that's stopping you rising to do what God called you to do. Be what God called you to be. What limitation is in your mind? That is a vain imagination. What does God say he wants to do? What does he say is yours? What does he say about you? See, whatever that vain imagination is, you've got to tear it down. No one can tear it down but you. You want to be great? Start to deal with what's going on in your head. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is in his life. That's the way he runs his life. So Gideon came. You notice he came there and he tore it down. He got the assistance of others. He put an axe to the root of that astra. He got an axe and chopped the thing down. And there are some things in our thinking patterns have to be chopped down. How do you chop them down? Very simple. Number one, you've got to recognize. You've got to see what is it I've got to chop down. If you, if some people live under depression. That's because you're angry. Who are you angry at? Why don't you find out what's going on in your thoughts and tear down that vain imagination. Repent of embracing it, accepting it, and yielding to it until it dominates your life. Just repent of the thing. Renew your mind with the truth of God's Word. If you've got this issue of self-hate, why do you hate yourself so badly when Jesus died on the cross to love you and forgive you? Break the agreement with that image. Tear the thing down. Begin to agree with what God says about you, and you will rise on the inside. When you're angry with yourself or hate yourself, you will have a spirit of depression on you. It's automatic. It goes together. But if you want to walk in the spirit of liberty, you want to thank God and praise God. Begin to start to get those things out of your life. Start to change how you think. Start to change what's going on. If fear rules your life, what are you afraid of? How did that fear get in there? It's risen up. You're bowing down to the thing. Get an axe to it and cut it down. Repentance is the axe that chops the tree down. You've got to break. I will not agree or tolerate that thing. Sometimes you need others to help you. You need some people to help him. Maybe you need to get in a small group and get people to stand around you, come into agreement, ask you to be accountable over that issue. Whatever it takes to deal with with the images in your mind that stop you and limit you, just do it. Just do it. Now, I want to tell you what happens. See, the simple thing in tearing an image down, I've got to see what it is very clearly. And then I've got to begin to start to recognize how it's established and just repent of the thing, tear it down, begin to replace it with God's Word. Put God's Word in my mind. Meditate, embrace the Word of God. Sometimes you need deliverance. Sometimes you need healing. If you need it, get to. Get to next week's freedom. Come up tonight. Get rid of the stuff. Now listen, I'll tell you what happened. When he had pulled down the image that ruled, see, it didn't just rule his life, it was a generational one. It ruled his family as well. It was something that was in the family background, and the whole family were messed up because of it. But all it took was someone to stand up, and it made a freedom opportunity for everyone. This is what happened. When he shifted internally, when he shifted internally, God then caused him to be recognized externally. He, could, he did it at night in secret. He couldn't be hidden. Next thing you know, they rename him, and they give him a different name, and he becomes recognized through the whole community as the one who chopped down Baal's altar, who pulled down Baal's altar, and who chopped down the asteroid. He became known as the one who went against the whole crowd and chopped it down. Now, you imagine you've got a whole village, and everyone's onto the same thing, and you go there and tear it all down. It's not an easy thing. Today, that's the equivalent. 
when the whole crowd are going one way and you stand up for integrity. When the whole crowd's going down that path of immorality and you stand up for purity, you are a challenge to those around you. And God causes you to become known. He became known, firstly, not because of what he did externally so much, but the willingness to confront the image that had dominated his life and family and to tear it down. And then God caused him to be recognized in the community and recognized nationally. The anointing of the Holy Ghost came on him and he led a nation to freedom from that thing. I wonder what people in this community, people you know, people you connect with, are waiting for you to tear down the things you serve that limit you so they can see this person is really different. Jesus Christ has made a change in that person's life. I want what you've got. I want the freedom you have. I want the liberty you have. I want that for me. You've given me hope. If you can break through it, I can too. Listen, all of us have got things to break through. This is the year of challenge and change. I wonder if you're willing to face what it is you need to break through. A habit, a mentality, an imagination, a fear, an attitude, a pattern of thinking. What is it that if you were to tear it down would shift your life? That is the thing that God wants you to say, Lord, tonight I'll do it. I'm going to determine I'll cut that thing down. And if I need help to do it, I'll get the help. But that altar, that altar of Baal, that thing I have yielded to, that imagination's rule my life, it is coming down. Is it fear? Fear, you're coming down. Is it rejection? Rejection, you're coming down. Is it grief? Grief, you're coming down. Whatever it is, I'm going to tear it down day by day in my pursuit of God, repentance, and holding the Word of God, I'll tear that thing down. Why don't we close our eyes right now? One of us, any person here tonight, and perhaps you've just worshipped at the altar of self. Just do what you want. You're the God of your life. Listen, one day you will face the living God. But you don't need to face Him with fear. You don't need to face Him with a, a, a separation. You can face Him face to face with joy and gladness, knowing you belong in His family. And the way that happens, Jesus said this, He said, I have come that you might have life. Whoever received Jesus Christ, who put their trust in Him, He gave power to become a child of God. I wonder tonight, is there any person would say yes to Jesus Christ? 